0: Good morning, this is Governor Andrew Cuomo. Annyeong to our Korean baseball fans. We have a lot of coronavirus updates to get to on my little PowerPoint here, including our ongoing efforts to properly sanitize garbage plates in the Rochester area. But first, I'm issuing a new executive order today. We are putting a temporary pause on cold opens podcasts. COVID-19 is not a laughing matter. My little brother Christopher had it. While he fortunately did recover, he's the least funny guy, I know. He said he had a fever dream of me in a tutu. He probably started those nipple ring rumors. This guy, Maron. Anyways, no more cold opens in New York State. Episode 10 of SB Unfurled and Friends. Don't you dare... Protest in Albany, I'll knock your head off. Four, that's the eight, <laughs> All right, so a lot of Bonnies fans have been quarantined, both literally and figuratively, from basketball. And so we have a special friend joining us here on SB Unfurled and Friends, Matt Papano. He's the director of basketball operations for the St. Bonaventure Bonnies. How about that? Hey, thank you for joining us, Matt.
1: Absolutely, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm a little nervous following the, uh, you know, the Captain Beer and Woj. Those are big acts to follow, so hopefully I can live up to uh... a <laughs> For their standard, they've set.
0: Unfortunately, there's been enough time off in between those two, so it's yeah. So I think we, we can start off. Uh, you can be our first post-coronavirus pandemic uh, uh, guest here. So let's before we you know, we don't want to dive into all the you know the negative stuff with this situation. Let's be optimistic. Let's be hopeful. And one bit of news that has come out recently is that the Bonnies are going to be playing Yale next season and i remember back to that yale game a couple years ago and matt mobley had an incredible dunk against yale and i'm hoping to see something like that happen again in uh, november or december so matt can you tell us a little bit about this yale matchup
1: yeah you know um i don't know if i should officially comment on it but the reporter who did report it is usually pretty accurate um so I can, I can tell you, you know, Yale is a great program. You know, you guys obviously know they won their league last year, won the Ivy League, which is just a tough league again. Um, we're going to represent, you know, that league in, an, in the NCAA tournament. And they do return a lot of guys. You know, Paul Atkinson just – I know he declared for the draft, but just recently announced, I think, on social media the other day he's coming back. So um, they're going to be an extremely tough opponent if, uh, if that does happen. And, you know, we're looking forward to them having them in the Raleigh Center again. Uh, good game for us a couple of years ago. Um, you know, we were looking for, or hypothetically, I should say, looking for some good teams to bring in here to try to, you know, build our case for an at-large uh, for next season. And they, and a school like that was right at the top of the list. And you know, um, hopefully, it ends up working out as as it's been reported. But um, very, very optimistic and excited about that opportunity for for the Bonnies next year.
2: Yeah, building a case for an at-large, you, you'd think has to be the goal going forward the next couple of years with with the personnel we have. Maybe a little different approach than last year when we had all freshmen and sophomores. Um, now we're going to have you know that that great class of 2022 going to be juniors. But last year, what would have been a a great resume-building win was that uh, win in Toronto. Um, against Rutgers I, I think probably maybe the biggest success of the whole season last year Canadian uh, national champions we are the we're the Canadian net we're the Canadian natties so
0: it was the last um, game in Toronto so by, by, just like Fordham's <laughs> the A-10 champions this year we're the
2: uh, Canadian champions
1: that makes sense to me yeah <laughs> so like
2: I, I feel like that was just on the court a huge success but then off the court I mean we you know we look to Toronto and Canada to recruit fans would love going there I talked to a lot of people who had a great time up there is that is the Naismith on the radar are they reaching out have, have we been considered for that like would would that be our potential you know power five game that the committee would love to see like has, has there been any talks about Toronto again this
1: year? Yeah you know um, to talk about last year's event just a little bit you know that was a home run for us as you kind of mentioned yourself um, for a lot of reasons on and off the court you know being the proximity to Olean and you know, to a lot of um, areas where alums live, Buffalo, Rochester area, even, you know, some places in the city. Um, it was a slam dunk. You know, we got to play a big-time team. And, uh, you know, honestly, Rutgers, I think, even ended up being better than we thought or anyone thought for that matter. Um, so, yeah, great moment of last year. Um, you know, those freshmen played really well for us, and that was, that was cool to see as well. And it was just awesome to see you know and see and hear all the people who traveled to that game. Um, you know, partying the night before, you know, the the (laughs) night after the win. (laughs) You know, so I'm sure that helped with some uh, Bonnie's. Weeks afterwards. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Long, long (laughs) parties after that. Um, I might rewatch it. I might rewatch it tomorrow and and, uh, try to relive it. I mean, there's nothing else. (laughs) Sure. Um, So, yeah, the great event. Those are the kinds of things we're looking for. You know, luckily we've built up, you know, me personally and then Tim Kenny as well. um, You know, relationships, the Basketball Hall of Fame uh, ran that event. Um, so we had uh, built up relationships over the years with them, um, and they were actually the ones who you know ran the the tournament last year that was supposed to be in Ireland, but ended up going to Boca. Um, so mm-hmm. it was kind of a two prong thing with them last year. Um, but going forward, um, we are looking for games like that still. Unfortunately, the they aren't doing the event in Toronto next year. Um, you know, I think they had some stuff going on um, with other areas and opportunities that I think they might go back to in the future, from what I understand. But it is not going to happen next year. So. Um, you know, we did have some, some talks with some other event organizers about doing something to a smaller scale in Toronto, nothing like it was last year at the, uh, um, I'm not sure if it's called the Air Canada Center, Center anymore, but Scotiabank. At, I mean, yeah, Scotiabank, there you go. <laughs> um, but we, we did have some talks with you know, doing something at a smaller venue. Um, I wouldn't say they're dead yet, but I don't, to be honest with you, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but we are definitely in some deep talks and. And still searching for a neutral site event for next year. Um, we've got two games to get, and that's one of them. That it's it's far down the line. Hopefully, it works out for us.
0: Hopefully, we have fans and seats, no matter where it is. <laughs> I mean, at yeah. this rate,
1: right? Yeah, I mean, that's you know, that's the biggest thing. It's it's fun to be a part of the program, and from a you know, from a staff member and from an alum, and I'm sure for you guys too. It's like the fans here are awesome. You know, it's just, it just makes it fun and makes it worthwhile. You know, I know there's a lot of programs. You know, our level, even above us, who they just don't get the support we do. You know, wherever we go, there's people there. I mean, obviously Toronto is an easy one to get to. But, you know, I've been, I think, my tenure here to Arkansas like four times. We've had fans there. You know, they're just all over the place. And, you know, the Cayman Islands, we took a plane full of people. And even people traveled on their own. And, you know, I'm sure they'll be at the Virgin Islands next year. And they're just everywhere we go, there's people there. And it just, it just makes it a lot of fun.
2: Not only going to Arkansas to watch the Bonnies, <laughs> but going to Arkansas to watch
1: if I remember, Bona teams that probably had losing records. Yeah, too, so. <laughs> absolutely. That's what, you know, I think I was listening to one of your po- previous podcasts and, you know, I think you unfurled know these guys, but when I was a manager at Bonaventure, I don't even remember what year it was, but, you know, we obviously weren't very good in the, those four years. Um, what was, what was it? 03 to 07, I guess. We were in a mm-hmm. tournament in Austin, Texas, actually at the University of Texas. And we had three guys. Well, more, I'm sure there's more Bonam students, but three, I remember three guys in college, eight current Bonam students, who traveled down to Texas to watch us play. And I know <laughs> one of them is an Olean native, um, <laughs> who I know you know, S. U. and Field for sure. Um, but it's just amazing. No matter when we were, you know, when we were building this thing back, and you know, even during the, the lean years, and it just, you know, obviously since we've become relevant again, it's 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 built up even more, and it's just, it's awesome. It's it's truly a special thing, and it makes this job, you know, very rewarding.
0: i apologize about that forgot i was wearing my mask to protect from the coronavirus so yeah that kind of gets into what we were talking about a little earlier with the um the virgin islands that's the other big off-season news although it was kind of announced a little bit before the season technically ended um The Virgin Islands uh, seems like an incredible trip. I didn't get to go to the Cayman Islands, but (laughs) if we are going to the Virgin Islands, I'm planning on going. Now, the question is, I don't expect you to see into the future, but like what are kind of the contingency plans of the Paradise Jam or like what do you what has kind of been like thought about with this because. On the one hand, it's technically not an international trip, On the other hand, you are traveling to the Caribbean, and that there can be, you know, some possible restrictions there. Is are is that has that been talked about at all?
1: Yeah, you know, a little bit. Um, I think it's still in the er- early stages of of that kind of talking about those kind of scenarios. But I kind of asked too because Colorado State backed out. Yeah, you know, that was <laughs> nothing to do with with a concern about the event getting off. Okay. Um, yeah, they just found a different opportunity. I think that fit what they are looking for a little bit better, but in terms of, you know, the event itself, you know, I've talked to the, the organizers a number of times since, you know, all this, this unfortunate situation with the pandemic has, has come on. Um, but as of now, you know, we're being told that, you know, we're moving forward as planned. Um, they don't believe by then it should be an issue, but as you guys know, I've changed things changed by, you know, by the, the hour it feels like, but mm-hmm. as of right now, we're, you know, we're, we're going with business going forward with business as planned and you know i don't i you know i'm not a doctor but it's from what they are telling me they're the situation in the islands is good right now you know hopefully it stays like that and um you know we'll we'll continue to talk with them as it move forward as it moves forward but you know just the event itself we're very excited about the opportunity you know it's a big time location obviously <laughs> in terms of the weather and you know some great hotels down there and then obviously some great you know, we're, we're looking forward to an opportunity to play in a couple of good teams uh, you know th- playing three games in four days um, and hopefully bring some fans with us again and and there's some good teams you know Colorado State obviously unfortunately is not going to be a part of it but they did pick up you know an underrated uh, Arkansas Little Rock team that I'm sure you guys have saw the report that they replaced Colorado State and they return I think their top seven or eight guys from last year's team who and, and who had good metric numbers and I expect them to be even better next year so you know, I didn't
0: realize we were playing. Or Little Rock isn't that now? That's actually significant. Get yeah, they're they're yeah. you know not a big name, but they're a good team.
1: Right? Yeah. You know they've had some recent recent success. Excuse me. With um, uh, why is his name escaping me now? With the coach at uh, Texas Tech, you know, was there and Chris Beard. Uh, Beard. Excuse me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He won. Took him. I think to at least won a couple games in the tournament a couple years ago when he was there. And you know we played them down in Texas and had a good game with them. And um, like I said, they were turning. I think it's a fairly new staff. And they were turning all their guys. So that's a, an underrated uh, replacement for Colorado State. Bradley is going to be really good again. That's another high-quality mid-major from the Missouri Valley. And, you know, I don't know what people think, but I wouldn't mind playing Buffalo twice <laughs> if we meet them down Ooh. there. Yeah. I um, think you mean
0: SUNY Amherst. SUNY Amherst. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean?
1: we'll bleep that out. <laughs> you guys can do some editing in the back end if you want. But um, they're going to be good again. They're always good. So um, if we play them twice, so be it. You know, that can only help us, I think, along with, you know, all the other teams down there. And yeah.
0: just a quick aside, I really hope for the Virgin Islands, it does happen because they've had some trouble with the hurricanes because a lot of the attention has obviously been on Puerto Rico,
1: but they've also had some trouble too. They have. Yeah. And I think this is an event that, you know, has helped that area kind of get over that or help, you know, restore from the, the damage they have suffered. Um, you know, I think this is one of their biggest events on the island from a sporting aspect. So they're they're really excited for it again I, I, from what I've heard of talking to talking in other schools who have been in it you know, it's, it's run top notch and hopefully we can get both of you guys down there too
0: See seen go off that bush I saw the walk they close and life went on beyond for
2: I am curious because there was some talk about the A10 maybe going to 20 games. Um, I know they they haven't decided on that one way or another. Um, I don't know if you, the staff anticipates that. Um, do you anticipate any other changes to the A10? Uh, do you have any preferred opponents that you would like to see home and home? I know you know we get those five teams that we play twice. I think it is, and I yeah. I usually like a little bit of a mix. You know, get the get the lower teams to pile up wins but also you want those those good teams to get those resume builders so do you yeah. see any uh, any changes to the schedule uh, I know that would affect how many non-conference games you can schedule
1: yeah it's a good question um, you know it's it's definitely being discussed at a league level at a conference level um, I haven't heard one way or the other what they're going to do um, you know I'd be surprised this is just my you know personal feeling with no inside knowledge but I'd be surprised if it moved to twenty next season, just because of the timing of it. Um, mm-hmm. Again, that's just my feeling, um, but I know just from in the future, I think it's probably going to happen at some point, just because you know every, all the other leagues are doing it, and you know the the inventory is just not there anymore. When you know all the power fives are not all of them yet, but for the most part are doing it. So I, I would think it, I would assume it's coming at some point. I just me personally don't don't think it's going to be next season. That is, so I think from what. The standpoint of building our non-conference we're still assuming that we're going to need to, to fill 13 slots for the non-conference and 18 for the league but again I, you know I, don't, I know i've said it a couple times but that's just my personal feeling um in terms of you know the opponents I, I would imagine the the partners will change a little bit just so we're playing you know i know they like to you know the, the pandemic or the coronavirus stuff could maybe change this for next year but usually they, they like to kind of arrange teams you know the upper tier teams playing each other more just so it gives teams more opportunity to play those quad one, two games um, from a resume standpoint, from a metric standpoint. Um, so I'm assuming there'll be some tinkering with the, you know, with those five um, uh, travel partners. Um, but we haven't heard yet one way or the other. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping they do change a little bit just from, so we get some, some higher, some high quality teams and some opportunities. And I hopefully, you know, I, I'd like to stay with Fordham twice just so we get down to the city again. I mean, that's that's <laughs> important to our alums and important for us too. It's always a fun.
0: I like them twenty times. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure some people probably subscribe to that theory too. Um, but yeah, it's a, you need a balance too. You know, I mean, who knows what's going to happen? You could think you have everything predicted as best you can, but you know, we've all seen in our league. I don't think the number one seed has won the tournament for the last couple of years, um, and then there's injuries, and so who knows how it's going to play out? But um, yeah, you need some balance with you know making sure you're getting enough of the the, those top two year but then at the same time you know not killing yourself with playing too many good opponents and it backfires so i think the league's still working on it i guess is the, the short answer
2: i like how the cusa does it um they have the 18 game schedule uh you play your first 14 games as normal and then uh i think it's the other 13 then one travel partner so we would play yeah. every team and then maybe duquesne twice and then they reseed the games based on standing so at the end of the year you're really getting like the the top top of the league yeah. if
1: you're if you're in that tier otherwise you're getting you know within your own tier right yeah that was an interesting concept you know and i i think it's great to try stuff like that you know i don't know what the results ended up being you know i don't know if there's they've studied it or if it's you know if they think it was a success or not but yeah it makes sense it really does to try to you know match up your best teams at the end of the year when to kind of one I think the reasons for doing it was one to try to get more teams in the tournament, but two, I think even more so was to, you know, get that champion, a better seed, you know, in the, in the NCAA tournament, i a mm-hmm. higher seed. So, you know, kind of gives them a better chance to win um, at the NCAA level, but yeah, I get it. It makes sense from, from, uh, you know, to, you know, the other hat I wear is a travel, I'm in charge of the travel, travel, team travel. So from a logistics standpoint, it's a nightmare, but you know, from a right yeah. from a scheduling standpoint, it makes sense to try it at least. You know, because you could get some. You know, you're going to be playing teams at your tier, so you get better games. So yeah, I, I applaud them for trying something. Sorry, we got one
0: final scheduling question for I, you here.
1: I-, I love the scheduling questions, so keep them coming. <laughs>
0: okay, cool. Well, this one's definitely a doozy here. Um, I'm not sure how aware you are of Ganon Fest, but we celebrated Ganon Fest the week of the Ganon game
1: on December 14th. Yeah. Are you aware of this at all? I'm aware of it. You know, I don't know how <laughs> deeply um <laughs> I know exactly what happened, but yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm aware of it. So so
0: long story short, for anybody who isn't aware, um, we had like an open slot in our final schedule and it got filled with Gannon. The first time we played a non D one in like a decade or, or something. Yeah. And a lot of people, especially on a particular um, message board that will remain nameless, were upset about this probably pretty irrationally. It's like, it's just one game not counting in the net, who cares? Yeah. But um, because of all that irrationality, we zigged when others zagged. And decided to make this a week long celebration, culminating in a dominant 25 point win. So, I mean, from your perspective, how, how did this come about playing Gannon? Because it, as much as it does suck to play a D2 school, I mean, hey, they are kind of a, a regional opponent, yeah. So, how did that come about?
1: Well, first of all, I, I do appreciate your support in that. Um, I'll have to go we got back and, look and everything. We you guys really? send
0: Matt a t shirt unfurled,
1: I'll take that, yeah. Um, <laughs> so appreciate that support because I know we were getting hit pretty hard, uh, with, with that decision. Um, you you know, basically what it came down to is we were getting late in the summer. We couldn't just couldn't find a team to fill, you know, it was a specific date. So we had, we were kind of limited from a, from a standpoint of when we could play this game. Um, couldn't find a team that made sense. And, you know, like you alluded to in your question, it it doesn't count against the net, you know? So in essence, it didn't never happen. You know, it, it counts from our win loss record. So we got that extra win and, you know, not to disparage Gannon at all. You know, it's a good program. They've had a lot of success. Um, Calvin Jefferson's a, is a, is a great coach. He'll get that program going as well. And he's had a lot of success for from, you know, in the, in the past where the spots he's been. Um, so, so we made the decision and the main reason we did it was for the fans, just because we could have easily kind of stopped at, at 12 and not played a 13th game. Um, so we did it to, you know for the season ticket base and the fans in general just to give them another opportunity to come see our guys play and you know come to rise center for a game and and get that experience you know probably wasn't to the level of some other games but you know and then the other thing it just got our guys more playing time you know we had a young team um so it it got our guys more experience on the floor putting on the uniform on again and you know we had a solid crowd so getting them experience on the floor and you know so i guess it was a a two-pronged decision why we made it and and I always go back to we we could have played you know a non or a Division One team with a low extremely low net but you know we could lose that game you know unfortunately we've lost games like that in the past and that could be a killer you know so it just made more sense to go the route with Gannon um, and you know everyone doesn't have to agree with it but that's kind of the consensus we came to as a as a staff and administration and you know we'll stick by it.
0: Anybody listening right now would be absolutely lying if there were some hypothetical you know, hygienic bubble that 10 te- 10 players could play in and they would not watch Gannon and <laughs> right this minute. You'd be lying right now. We are so desperate for any kind of exactly. legitimate sporting event. Like, <laughs> but you're absolutely right. Like I, I, as much as like, I would love to go see the Bonnies play cues at the dome or play maybe Binghamton just to be like, Oh, at least they're a D one school yeah. at the end of the day. Gannon. The only, as long as that nobody gets injured, right. Hey, Gannon, uh, they survived. We, we survived and, you know, didn't lose. And, you know, it was a lot of fun content for
1: us as well. Yeah, I'm glad we could help with that. Yeah, we seems like we gave you a week's worth or maybe a month's worth of stuff to, to do. So, I believe I started the countdown at 72, 75 days, I want to yeah. say.
0: I started counting down on Twitter.
1: <laughs> we gave you a couple months for that's great. Yeah, and, it, you know, it's not something we're going to do probably in the near future. But if we do go that route, I'll make sure you guys know first so you can get a head start on, uh, on all your – uh. All your work. The third captions that they see
2: you're shaka smart out The
0: flames were everywhere but no one really cared
2: It always sucked right there before you've been DOB for quite a while have you seen changes in Schmidt and the staff's approach to recruiting and getting kids onto campus uh you know whether it's the style that they use um where they are recruiting out of the, the caliber or the you know the, the type of player they're going after how have you seen recruiting change
1: yeah you know I'm going on my next season will be my 13th year with uh, coach Schmidt directly um, and, and just full disclosure, know, I don't. I in my position, I can't do any off-campus recruiting. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I kind of take it over, not take it over, but really start helping when, when they do make the visits. So a lot of the on-campus recruiting, I help arrange and get that set up. Um, but yeah, good question. Just in terms of the type of kids we've been, you know, since we've gotten better, you know, obviously our our name recognition is, has gotten a lot better. So I think more kids know about us. Um, the respect for the program is certainly continued to develop over the years and you know i th- when we first started you know people didn't know you know what st Bonaventure was what division they were in you know were they high school um you know so that that has definitely changed you know people know who we are you know so we can get in easier that you know coach schmidt and the assistants could c- can get in those kids living rooms or on the phone easier and you know have coaches return their calls um so yeah, I'd say, you know, it's still a lot the same though, in terms of, you know, we're still getting the guys who are, are under recruited for the most part, you know, diamonds in the rough who, who love the game and who want to, who want to get better. And, you know, for us, it's, you know, eyeing those guys and then player development, those have kind of been the two things, you know, along with like preparation and scouting that the couple of things that we've hung our hat on as a program is, you know, the, the guys for the most part get better once they get on campus, you know. You know, coach. we've had some great assistants here. Coach Moore, before he left, was a, one of the best, you know, individual workout guys that I've ever been around since I've been here. Um, you know, obviously Coach Kern has been here for a long time, and he's the same. He's terrific on the floor with these guys. Um, and, then, you know, Coach Neal and Coach Trey that are here now, Coach Lee who was here in the past, Jerome, uh, Coach Massey, you know. All these guys have gotten better, you know. So we're still not, you know, maybe you know, there's a couple guys that probably don't fit that mold. But, um, you know, for the most part, they've been under-recruited. You know, a lot from, you know, I, I think I heard Woj mention this on his podcast with, with you guys, but it's been true. Like, you know, for a while there, we were getting guys who had zero offers from A-10s. You know, that's changed a little bit, but, you know, from the A-10 schools. But, um, you know, we cast a wide net. We've – Coach Kern does an unbelievable job with, his, you know, developing relationships over the years. And we're getting a lot of guys from, you know, the, the Putman, Putnam pipeline, pipeline has helped and mm-hmm. guys in that league. And, you know, there's no really – one specific area these guys will turn over rocks all over the country and you know all over the world even you know we've gone the international route before and um, it's just you know they're really good at what they do about developing talent you know Schmidt Coach Schmidt knows what he wants in terms of what kind of a player and you know sees guys with high ceilings and or gets he gets guys if he believes have high ceilings and they, they get better when they're here with the development and the structure we have in place and you know from a from a skill standpoint, from a strength conditioning with coach fist, he does a great job with molding these guys. And, um, it's, it's all hands on deck really. That kind
2: of leads into my next question too, because you talk about the development and just how good, you know, guys like Moore and current have been with players like, you know, Yusu comes to mind, uh, Ladarian yeah. Griffin, guys who didn't even play much, you know, Dion Wright, their freshman yeah. year, developing them year after year, putting in the time in the off season, uh, Turning them, you know, over three, four years into all conference guys, that's just kind of what the, you know, the St. Bonaventure program has been about under Schmidt. I see these NCAA looking into loosening transfer rules, um, you know, immediate eligibility, which, I'm worried leads to, you know, you, you and the staff mainly do a great job, you know, finding these recruits, getting getting the diamonds in the roof, like you said, developing them. And then all of a sudden P5 comes poaching, you know, guys that we work to find and develop. I'm worried about that. I don't know if, if you can comment on your opinion or what the staff thinks about this immediate eligibility weight, uh, rule that the NCAA is going to vote on at some point.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Just to jump back real quickly on the, the development piece with our guys over the years, you know, you, you hit in a couple of great ones there. You know, Dion, Ladarian, you know, those guys barely played at all as freshmen, you know, very limited. And, you know, so I think a lot of credit first, you know, obviously the coaches working with these guys and also the players though themselves. You know, they, they've wanted to work. You know, they've, they love being in the gym. You know, Coach always makes an analogy with, you know, I think publicly he's made it and then with recruits in terms of, you know, we want a guy who's going left to the gym rather than right back to his dorm to go hang out or go take a nap or go play 2k you know i know you guys love 2k so sorry to to bring that up but um you know so we've got guys we've we have gotten guys i should say in the past who want to get better who want to work and who had that you know the skill set to get better and you know they deserve a lot of credit themselves too because you know they they put in the work you know we've had a, a lot of guys over the years who you know, you come in late at night. They're, they're out there working the gym. You know, at all hours of the night, and they've got access 24/7. So that helps. And our staff has done a tremendous job of you know, you're marking those kind of guys, and we're putting them in position with the with the, the coaches we've had and the skill development. You know, the acumen that they have, but it's also the guys deserve credit because they're they're good players and and become really good players over the, you know their course of their, their tenure at Bonaventure. Uh, and yeah, to the the eligibility piece, that that's a huge obviously thing coming up the pipeline pretty quickly here um you know i i tend to agree with you that it is a concern you know i think there's a lot of pieces to it you know yeah there's the piece where you know the, the guys have been here for a couple of years they get developed and then potentially you know get poached from a higher level team i think that's a real thing that may even wink wink happen now you know it, not with us per se but other schools have gone through it unfortunately um you know there's yeah there's the piece i guess too that we're kind of you know in, in the middle you know we're We're not the par five. We're not a little major. We're kind of in between. So you know, it's a little bit. I guess we can go both ways with it. Um, You know, kids can at the par fives who aren't playing. You know, may want to go somewhere where they can play and are still really good players. So maybe we could benefit off that type of thing. And who knows? But I think there's also the piece where you know, who knows what's going to happen with this G League thing, where where you know maybe kids. I don't think it's going to be a a total um, you know threat to college basketball at all, but. You know, there could be down the road, you know, less of an inventory where, you know, those kids are going straight to the pros or whether it's a G League overseas and and maybe the par fives are dipping into the pool that we would recruit. So there could be that threat. Yeah, I don't think it's an immediate threat by any means, Um, but I think there's a lot of different angles and things to think about. But yeah, I think in general, I think I'm not a fan of the immediate eligibility, but at the same time, you know, I, you know, I think, you know, you want to give, kids the opportunity to do what's best for them. So um I, I guess I shouldn't say I'm not a fan. I'm kind of on the fence. <laughs> the politically correct answer maybe, but um <laughs> I see both both sides to it.
0: That's something that's definitely gonna get hashed out in the coming months, years, whenever. But yeah. one thing that is definitely a recruiting advantage is seeing the atmosphere that we saw against Hofstra on the uh, 100th anniversary celebration unfortunately the 100th year did not end in any way that any of us honestly expected of course but what was that atmosphere like for the team and like if you had to pick one like who on the 70 final four team enjoyed being with the current players the most
1: (laughs) that's a funny question good question too uh you know that the whole year was cool just to be a part of that 100th year celebration you know there's a lot of a lot of pieces to it that were very neat and you know it was a that game specifically was a surreal moment with the you know the, obviously the atmosphere and the crowd you know sold out legit sellout uh, students were into it you know the Reds were full to the to the top and the corners um, <laughs> That's it was where unbelievable I sit, so definitely <laughs> yeah so you can vouch for that um, <laughs> you know to have those that 1970 team there as well as a lot of other greats you know a lot of members a lot of the members of the all-time team were there as well you, it was it was unbelievable and I gl- I'm so glad that the outcome of the game and how it went you know, went the way it did, you know, we could kind of kick our feet back towards the end of it a little bit and just enjoy it, which was nice. We had a dinner the night before the game with the 1970 team. Um, who I think every, pretty much everyone made it, um, you know, except one um, made it to that dinner and, you know, they got to interact with our guys and a couple of our guys spoke, you know, a couple of guys from the 1970 team spoke, um, you know, we all got to meet each other and embrace and, you know, share a meal with each other. So that was cool to hear stories from both angles. You know, I think, you know, the, the 1970 team was really, really interested and enjoyed and the experience of, you know, talking to the new age Bonnies and the current team and obviously vice versa, you know, those, our current team, you know, you know, they've heard us speak about tradition all the time. And they, it was cool for them to see that, you know, up close and personal and get to know those guys. And, you know, it was genuine from both sides. So it was really neat. Um, you know, in terms of one guy who enjoyed it—you probably know the answer, but I mean, you know, Bubba <laughs> Gary. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, he, he's he's amazing. You know, he's hilarious. Um, he is not afraid to speak his mind or speak in general. Um, he probably took over that that dinner a little bit, which was awesome. You know, he's he's a really funny, genuine guy, and um, you know, you saw him. You know, when he when he was called out to to get his plaque and how he walked out and he loves it you know everyone they everyone loves him he loves the school and i think it's you know everyone benefited and it was just a cool cool year wish it ended differently obviously but um you know that game was that i think ranks up there you know with the top experiences i've had in my shoot i guess it's including my student years i've been here for 18 years now so it's that's right up there with you know something i'll never forget and you know there's they took a picture at the end of the game and the guys got to interact after the game you know our guys with with that team and there's a really cool picture of you know the, the 1970 team sitting down and all the current guys and the staff standing behind them and I've got that you know saved obviously and hopefully to print out someday and that'll be something I cherish for a long time and I think everybody from our current program would would say the same thing.
2: Are they keeping those murals up in the Riley Center? Do you know like the wall wraps with the the Final Four team, the NIT champions, the hundred years stuff they have all, all the jerseys around yeah there. are they keeping those up because i think the riley center looks as good as it has ever with, with i agree all that
1: totally agree yeah that was it. those were huge additions and you know i know you had a little bit to do with some of that stuff So, you know thank you for that and you did some great work um but yeah i don't i don't know the answer to that to be honest with you i, I hope i would think they'd keep it up for a little bit you know or maybe into next season but i haven't heard to be honest with you but I agree with you. You know, it completely transformed. You know, those the hallways, um, of the main foyer there, and the main kind of area of the rally center. Um, I'm sure the fans enjoyed it. You know, I, you know, I I would see it every day, multiple times a day. But there's still times, you know, you're walking by and you, you notice something different, or you just stop there again and be like, oh wow, this is. You just kind of soak it in and really cherish it. And it's you know, i I've, I've been lucky to be a part of some of those memories and and instances but it's this it's it's really cool the tradition we have here and for such a small school in a small area you know i don't think i think a lot of even big time schools would kill for the the tradition and and support and passion that we have for for basketball um i don't think there's i don't think you can question that
0: dear tooch i wrote you but you still ain't calling i
1: left my name and my number at the bottom I'd send some messages back in autumn. You must have never got them.
0: Part of that tradition is all the beautiful jerseys that we were voting on over the past uh, few weeks here. I mean, we had those 1970 Final Four ones in the Hofstra game like we were talking about. Um, I personally think the 1983 jerseys got robbed in that uh, final vote that uh, Gobani's was doing. But is there, like, any thought of possibly trying to bring back any more uh, retro jerseys, whether it's 83 or some of maybe the older school ones from, like, I don't know whatever year, like there are, there are plenty of good gems there that we could possibly bring back. You you know,
1: you're right. Um, the Jersey thing, and I know you guys love that. Um, it's, it's really cool. It's a really cool thing. Um, there, there is plans to bring some stuff back. Um, we are in the very, very early development stages of, you know, a new redesign for the uniform. So we will have new uniforms next year. Um, so I think that's the first time in five years. I think we wore the, the previous ones for five years, which is usually a little longer than we've done in the past, but this is um, me offering my free <laughs> services for
2: all of that. I've, stuff. You know I've seen I've your work.
1: So I'm going to take I, you up on that offer. I've seen your work and, uh, and I've enjoyed it and has have many others. Um, so I will definitely take you up on that. Um, but That's yeah, hard. you know, the, the 83 ones are awesome. You know, I, I was torn on who to vote for, obviously. Um, but I I think I did end up voting for the 70 just because of the nostalgia behind it. But, you know,
0: I think people were just doing that because of the the team. Like it's not fair that the the Jersey itself was better for 83. I'm sorry, guys. The seventies are awesome too. Don't get me wrong. Probably right.
1: But yeah, we, we do plan to incorporate, you know, different throwbacks uh, going forward. You know, the 71s obviously were a huge hit this past season, you know, rightfully so they were, they were beautiful. You know, I don't know if it's out there. I think it, I think our, people did uh tweet it out you know right before the tournament we were planning on wearing those 70 ones for mm-hmm. you know anytime we were the home team in, in the A10 tournament so we were gonna you know we were hoping to honor that team you know one last time um with with wearing those again but they, yeah they were they were tremendous guys loved them you know we tried to rotate them in as much as we could without you know overkilling it which i don't know if you actually you probably couldn't overkill those ones because they're beautiful but yeah but there's like i said there's a re-des- total redesign so we'll have three new sets next year and then you know, we're gonna, we're, we are going to plan to, I don't know when, but incorporate some some old school ones and 83 will be at the top of that list for sure.
0: <laughs> it's interesting too because a lot of the players seem to have liked the silver uniforms instead of the white uniforms at yeah. home, but they love the new white uniform or the retro white yeah. uniforms. Yeah, really. you know
1: what, we I think, when did we debut those? I think two years ago when the 18, the tournament year and what yeah. we did that year yeah. was, you know, we just kept winning in them. So <laughs> we, just, we didn't want to change any mojo, honestly. <laughs> and the guys loved them and you know, obviously we won fourteen or thirteen or fourteen in a row, whatever it was, and you know half of those or so were at home. So we we wanted to ride them out, and you know obviously we wore those for majority of that season, um, and not as much this. I mean, we, we were still warm, obviously, the past couple of years, but um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what you guys thought of them, but we we liked them, you know, as a as a staff and as a department, and um, we're definitely going to bring those gray back. So we'll have you know the obviously the brown, the whites, and the grays uh, going forward. Did you guys like the gray ones though? Was that what was the the fan? you
0: know they're solid but we're the brown yeah, and white so yeah. i mean i like mixing them in just like i kind of like the the gold ones from a few years yeah. back before this but like at the end of the day we're brown and white so kind of got to rock those ones as much yeah. as we can no, I, I
1: agree with that people were clamoring for black ones for a while but we we put we shut that no, down. no we never really,
2: no, we, we never really no. considered
1: them honestly and i don't it's you don't you like don't that. need it because
2: the brown is so dark and it's yeah blue. you don't you don't need black just stick to Brown, white, and then yeah. a, a silver, gray alternate, you know?
1: Yeah, I agree.
2: Um, yeah.
0: You could possibly convince me on a black and white only one, but you can't do black and brown. Only yeah, I don't weird. think
1: it fit well. Yeah, I think you guys are right.
0: Like a one off, maybe, but no. Not, not, not as a in the permanent rotation.
2: True. Yeah. Um. No. Get a hold of me. I have. Uh, I have absolute tens in mind for. <laughs> uh, for that's that's what I do. I'll have our guys looking really good.
1: I'll take um, you up on that.
2: We're talking about tradition, uh, and part of that tradition, of course, Canisius and Niagara, but you know the realities of today's college basketball landscape, and you know the unfortunate pecking order becomes more and more obvious every year. Like we don't host Syracuse, uh, you yeah. know, Dayton no longer plays, you know, Miami, Ohio, Xavier doesn't play Dayton. Um, there is that pecking order. So, you know, given that, I know there's been some talk about this stuff, you know, last off season, but do you see this impacting, you know, little three road games going to Gallagher, going into Kessler? I mean, these are, these are good, tough spirited games, but the net obviously doesn't acknowledge them as such uh how how does this changing pecking order in college basketball landscape shape your approach to going into those arenas
1: yeah it's a good question you know um you're right you know they may you know recently they obviously haven't had the from a metric standpoint of what you know we would hope for but you're absolutely right though we still go into those places and it's an extremely hard even even home games you know those are hard games Mm-hmm. they're not easy games and it's the same for any rogue game in the league you know even if you know there's a, a 300 type team in the league a rogue game i mean it's it's not an easy game you've seen it we've you know we've lost some of those games in the past we've struggled to get wins and in you know situations like that before um but you know from from those two um niagara and canisius you know I, i'm a traditionalist you know i i if it's up to me, we'll play them every year, you know, the home and away, you know, the one time a year and continue to, to rotate every every other year. Um, you know, I, I do think, you know, they've had success not too long ago, both of them, obviously, and I think they're going to get better. You know, two really good coaches. I'm a – you know, Greg Pauls is a good friend of mine, honestly, you know, in full disclosure. Um, you know, and he's – you guys saw it. They, I think they did better last year than anyone would have imagined. You know, I think they were 500 in the league, which – you know, he, he asked me right after we played him, what would you think? And, you know, I thought they, they played really hard. They gave us a lot, obviously. That game was a close game. Um, so I, I expect them to get better. And, obviously, Coach Weatherspoon, his track record, record speaks for itself, whether when he was at um, the school over in Amherst or at Canisius. Um, he's had success. So if, if it's up to me, we're going to play him every year. You know, obviously it's not all up to me. You know, i got to defer to the people, you know, our AD and head coach, obviously. But, you know, I, I one, I guess I think they're going to get better. So, you know, a couple of years ago, Canisius helped us. You know, they, I think they ended up being, you know, the quad system wasn't in place. And I don't know if it was 2018 or 2016. Um, it was 2018. They were a quad, yeah, the quad system wasn't in place, I guess. So they were a quad two game, you know, that win. So not too long ago, they did help us when it, or essentially made the tournament, I guess you'd say. Um, so if, if it's up to me, we'll always play those guys. You know, but um I think there's no discussion right now, at least to to think of going in a different direction with those.
0: But only once, because there's a certain subsection of Bonnie's fans that yeah. might want to play them twice in a season. And yeah. that's kind of another another running meme of ours along with Gannon. Like yeah. we're not playing them home and home in the same season,
1: right? Correct. We will never do that. <laughs> as long as I have anything to do with the schedule. Um <laughs> As long as I live, we will not do that. <laughs> No, yeah, you know, I know their schools do it. You know, I think New Mexico and New Mexico State play twice a year. Um, I was
0: thinking that, but they're they're way out there. They yeah, kind of have to. Yeah, no. And both teams are usually pretty good. Agreed. Oh, speaking of that, um, New Mexico, what do you think of the Mountain West Challenge that we're going to be doing with the A-10? Because that's going to be a good road game for us at New Mexico.
1: Yeah, that'll be a very challenging game. Um, you know, they're a very tough place to play. iconic arena, the pit. Um you know, they're always pretty good on the road, obviously. So that'll help us, um, you know, from a metric standpoint, you know, the road game and hopefully we can get a win. So that'll help us even more. But yeah, you know, I'm, I think it's a, it was a good idea from the league. You know, I mean, geography is the only downfall, I think, with with it in terms of the travel for, you know, for you know, the school going across the country. But, you know, it makes sense from a, from a standpoint of getting good games. Um, we're going to get a, a really probably a quad two game, hopefully. I'm expecting them to be a quad two. Um, which will you know hopefully hopefully put us in position for an at large. you know and then you know the back end of it, we're gonna get a home game the following year against the Mountain West team, which I mean, you guys know you guys are pretty knowledgeable about the scheduling and how hard it is to get games, especially at home. So we're gonna get a high level, very high level team in the Rally center in 21. Um and it's doesn't it's not necessarily New Mexico either. It's it could be any team from the Mountain West. Oh
0: come on. It's gotta be really easy to get San Diego State <laughs> to travel to
1: only in New York, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um yeah, I'm not saying it's impossible. i I'm, I'll never say impossible because we're I'll I'll work my butt off to get, you know, a team like that in here. But um yeah, so I think there's a lot of benefits to it. You know, it gets us, you know, good games over a two year span. You know, I think the only downside is the geography, obviously, um and the travel, especially with the situation now. Um, but yeah, I'm, I think it's a good idea. I think the league, you know, they recognize that something like this needed to be done. With, you know, like I, I think I mentioned it earlier in the pod. The, uh, you know, the shrinking inventory of games um, with everybody going to twenty, all those leagues going to twenty games. So, and they're all doing conference series too. I mean, I mean, I think every power five league's got a series, if sometimes two, you know, or, or a challenge, I should say. Should say. Um, so yeah, I think it made a lot of sense, and you know, very, very exciting to to go to New Mexico. You know, that's a that's a bucket list item for any basketball junkie um so it's it's two prong getting that game then a, a game in the back end it, in the rally center in front of our fans and you know i would expect a sell out for that type of game
0: or breaking bad junkie in albuquerque but the mountain west <laughs> yeah. is pretty deep too because um i remember one of the last games that i watched before everything got shut down was wyoming actually making a big run yeah. in the uh, mountain west tournament and they were they were terrible in the regular season, so they're a deep conference.
1: Yeah, they are. You know, yeah, Wyoming. I think won two or three games all year in the league, and then won back-to-back games in the tournament. You know, yeah. Um, you know, Utah State's very, very good. You know, they obviously ended up winning the league, the championship. Um, San Diego State, uh, Colorado State, Boise State. We played in the Caymans a couple years ago.
0: Yeah, um, uh, we don't want to talk about yeah. that one.
1: <laughs> I, I yeah, no,
0: I know. In Colorado could. State we played them a while back in uh Fort Collins and that, did. that didn't end well.
1: It didn't end well either. I was I was on that trip too, unfortunately. I got
0: my wisdom teeth removed yeah. while watching that game. That double, was more painful than the wisdom teeth removed. Man. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a tough day for you. Um but yeah, it's a great league. Great league. They're very similar to us too, you know, right outside the power five, power six, power seven, whatever you want to call it. Um so yeah, I, I applaud the the both leagues from uh joining or for uh you know coming together and doing that and, and also it's gonna be great for us to see uh jerome robinson you know he's a good friend of the bonnie's and a good friend of myself so we're excited for that
2: do we re- return a trip to yale the following year because i would love to see that campus and new haven
1: i'm gonna put my hypothetical hat on again if that game happens there will be no return no <laughs> okay
2: <laughs> even after an 0-9 streak you wake up with new opportunities to lose hard-earned money and a new opportunity was there for the taking. We were down, yeah, 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 you know, but we we, uh, we, we, had a little faith. Went went to church that morning, skipped out a little early, told my family I had to use the shitter, and, hey, I actually headed to the bar with some friends for Duquesne at Fordham. What
0: kind of goes into whether or not there is a home-and-home, because, home, like, we've played, like, an interesting, I like the Vermont 1-1-1 and thing, but, like, mm. sometimes we play teams home-and-home, home, obviously, like, Siena and Canisius and Niagara, but then, like, other times, like, like you mentioned Yale or potentially like Ohio, I think like yeah, they, they that's not a home and home too. So like what goes into that?
1: Yeah, um, you know obviously we've got we've got the four uh, built in every year, the you know your Buffalo, Sienna, uh, Canisius, Niagara. So those are built-in home and homes every year. Lately these shoot these last five or six years we've really got back into the the MTE tournament market. Um, so we want to get those, and um, and I'll be honest with you, we've got one locked in for 21 already, I'm already in deep discussions for 22, so you you kind of, yeah, and some good ones too, you guys will be excited when those come out, I can guarantee you that, Um, but so we kind of, we want to get those, that MTE locked in, and then you kind of build off that, Um, so then, you know, these last couple of years, we've been buying three games, and we've kind of Taken two approaches to those, depending on you know when I say buy, we you know, we bring a team into the rally center to play you know a one-time game. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, we've taken two different stances. We'll either what we've been doing lately, honestly, and what we're doing, you know, what we've done these last couple seasons, we want to buy at least one or two really good teams, which obviously there's some risk there. And I can, you know, I'll give you some examples. Like North Carolina Wilmington a couple of years ago was a buy game. <sighs> Oh, but that
0: was a great game. But yeah, that yeah. that was that did not end well. But that was a great game. That You're was right. a good idea.
1: And hear and hear me out here. We that that game, other than winning, obviously accomplished everything what we wanted to do. We brought a top fifty, top seventy five team into the Raleigh Center, which is extremely hard to get. Um, it was a big time game. Two really good teams. You know, we not did, a bad loss at all. Yeah, and that's that's my point. Yeah, we we win. That's a huge win. That you know that helps potentially that year vault us into. You know, if if we win that game, the whole—I hate to even bring it up—that deba- the the VCU debacle, you know, those two games alone a might swing <laughs> swing us to something something else and you know, to a higher level in terms of postseason. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you lose the game, but it, it didn't hurt us. You know, so that's kind of what we've done recently. Um, uh, I know there's plenty of examples. I'm forgetting off the top of my head here, but so we we've gone that route. I guess is my point is of buying good, high quality games where you know. If you win, it really helps you. And if you lose, it doesn't hurt you. And then, you know, you, you got to balance it, balance it as well. So, you know, there's still, you know, you are still kind of, you know, buying some lower level teams to get, you know, for, for a lot of reasons, obviously to get a win, to, the, you know, to build confidence in your guys, um, and, and get experience. But um, so, so, there's that aspect. Um, there's the buy games, and then we do. We've been getting bought by a power five or a power five type team over the years for, you know, for a number of reasons, obviously to get the really good game. And it does help with, you know, some budget stuff with our program and the department in general. So, you know, there's, there's reasons for everything. And, and I think once you do that, that's was that four plus the tournament has either been three or four games. So that's seven or eight. And then you're buying three of that's, you know, 10 or 11 and getting bought. So then that leaves you kind of with a game or two, a wild card game where you either start a home and home, or then which we've been trying to do recently is, you know, you know, try to get involved in these neutral site type events like the Toronto one last year. Um, you know, we're hopefully going to have one on the schedule for next year um, really close to one to be honest with you guys that would be really good for us and for a lot of different reasons, it checks a lot of boxes. So hopefully mm-hmm. something like that or something or that will be either announced or leaked soon. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of been our philosophy lately. And it's also, you know, you do for, you, you schedule based on what you, how you think your team's going to be. And obviously, you know, you know, people aren't idiots. You know, there's, you know, our guys are all have two years left. So we're obviously going to schedule to to put ourselves in that position to try to make the, the NCAA tournament these next two years for sure. And going forward, you know, we, we're built even to, to last longer than that. But um, I mean, that's, you know, and we took some, took some uh, criticism for last year's schedule, but you know, a lot of that was built before, we knew how good our guys were honestly and you know how quickly they'd be good even i should say so it was kind of like a transition year we thought and we were i mean in a good way we were ahead of schedule so that i mean i think that's a positive um for our program um and who you know who knows what would have have happened you know with the end of the NCAA tournament or any tournament type for this past season but you know we're we're building these next couple years obviously we're we're scheduling up to try to make the NCAA tournament and that's kind of been our philosophy for you know how we built it out with the home and homes the guarantees and you know, the Vermont one was a was a different one. That was a three year kind of two for one type of deal. Uh, luckily, their best player was from Rochester, so they were extremely interested. And
0: Anthony Lamb, Anthony yeah. Lamb,
1: big time player. Um, so that was very attractive to them. You know, obviously they want to get a couple good games, but obviously to get Anthony a home game, which you know, mm-hmm. that game alone helped us make the NSA tournament two years ago. I mean, thank God Matt Mobley hit that buzzer beater. I think that was the oh. only shot he hit that game. <laughs> yeah, I was there. Yeah. It was, it was the
0: only shot he hit and it was incredible. Yeah.
1: You know, it was a big time atmosphere and I don't remember the exact number that they were, but they were top 75 at worst. So that game alone helped us make the NSA tournament. And then, you know, I was, unfortunately we didn't win the next two games, but they were three really, really good games, all three of them. And None of them hurt us even. Even the two games we lost didn't hurt us because they were still you really could, good. You could
0: argue we could have won those two games with a, with a couple of bounces. Because that one
1: double overtime
0: game, there was a weird thing at the end of regulation a couple of years ago. And then and then last year, we didn't even have
1: Oshun, and yeah. we almost beat them. Yeah, you know, you hate playing We were on
0: bad beats, though, for Scott Van Pelt on SportsCenter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I count that as a win. Exactly, yeah, you know. I think we would have won and I think you guys would probably agree and a lot of people would agree, but you know, they beat us. But yeah, three really good games. The one directly helped us make the tournament. So that that was honestly one of my most proudest scheduling moments, even though we lost two of the three games.
0: I think it's really creative. I would say do more stuff like that.
1: Yeah. And that's yeah. you know, we've had to get a little creative, honestly. And that was one that worked out and, you know, helped us. Um and there's been a lot of things that that we've tried to get off the ground and we think, and that's the, you know, to use a cliche, you know, it takes two to tango. You know, we could think something makes all the sense in the world, but the other school thinks it's stupid. So it doesn't matter. And it just falls flat. Um, so there's, there's a lot of, you need, you need a partner. You need someone to dance with for sure. Um, and these scheduled things and, it's, you know, we, we've got a philosophy down it's worked out pretty well. We've, you know, I think we should have made the tournament in 16 as well. And, you know, with the, I think our results <laughs> speak for themselves in terms of how we scheduled, um, but there's we have a philosophy. A philosophy, excuse me, but I mean there is you know, there's, there's a lot of luck to it. Um, you got to find a partner, as I said, and you know you got to got to have dates that match with other people, and you know you, you fall into some stuff sometimes that you didn't know was going to happen, and it ends up being really good. And you know some teams end up being better than you think they they are, which is a good thing in the scheduling world, so that because that could help you um so i mean it's an inexact science i think there's a little bit of an art form to it art form to it um but it is an exact science and it's i really it's it's very hard and that's probably my biggest responsibility as a the operations guy and the one that i take very seriously it's 365 day a year you know conversations and calls and building up connections and um but it's it's I, i enjoy it in a sadistic way it's like putting a puzzle together and it's it's you know, you always had those pieces that you can never figure out, but eventually you, you get it done.
2: And real quick, before we let you go, and yep. we thank you a lot for your time spent with us. I think a lot of people are going to love, you know, hearing about the inside workings of the program, uh, especially a time where we're all craved for not just Bonas, but
1: sports in <laughs> general. Anything.
2: <really>. Um,
0: Anything. <laughs> <laughs> Belarusian
1: <laughs> soccer. <laughs> Did that finally get canceled?
2: I have no idea. Yeah, I
1: don't
2: know. <laughs> You mentioned no Toronto this year, but are we, you know, we didn't play at Syracuse or anything last year. I don't think we got bought by a, a power five school last year. Are we looking at that this year? Like, we'll, I, I'm sure it's tough to even do that because they it's, we're a really good team. I, they don't want to, you know, pay, pay us to come in and have us beat them. So are, is that an option at this point for this season?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I mentioned it on like a season ticket holder call the other night. Um, so we've hypothetically got a couple games to go, um, you know, two, two home games. I think I mentioned, this is a direct quote from me the other night, but two, two of the home games will be against teams uh, that won their leagues last year. So you can guess who the one is <laughs> that's been reported. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other two, which is, you know, we're, we're still working on, but one, I think we're really close on. It's the, the neutral site game I kind of mentioned earlier. And then the other is, yeah, a power five team, which probably will be mean a buy game. Um, so yeah, I expect to, to have a power five in the schedule. You know, last year was a little different um, with the Rutgers game just because we got that opportunity and thought it was too good to pass up. Um, so we did that instead of taking a true, you know, quote unquote buy game. Um, but yeah, there will be a, a power five you know, power. I, I like to call them the Power Six because I kind of include the American and the Big East in that. Or Power Seven, excuse me, the American mm-hmm. and the Big East. Yeah. Um, but there will power be... Power
0: Eight, including the Atlantic Town.
1: Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I, I misspoke there. I apologize. But yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, yeah, there will be one of those games on the schedule next year. Um, unless something crazy happens. But I, I, I fully expect that to happen. But look, as you said, yeah, it's getting harder. You know, it in a way, in the, in the scheduling world, it, world, it's... we've. Getting better has helped us and hurt us. It's it's helped us get in, open some doors for, you know, these neutral site games and these tournaments. You know, we if we hadn't gotten better, we never would have been to the Cayman Islands. We never would have went to the the tournament in Florida two years ago, which, you know, directly helped us make the NCAA tournament that year with beating Maryland and you know getting a you know quote unquote good, good loss to TCU. Um, it will, would we would have never gotten to the tournament that we're in in twenty one if we if our program hasn't grown and developed over the, the past. You know twelve years so it's it's opened a lot of doors don't get me wrong but at the same time it's it's <laughs> it's really not completely shut but it's the door is closing on getting a lot of opportunities you know in terms of getting bought i should i want i guess I should say just because you know we have gotten better and it's a risk and you know a lot of these teams are playing twenty game league schedules already and have your made for tv conference challenges so they don't always necessarily want to play another another good game that they could potentially lose so yeah, it's so. I guess it's helped both ways. is is my is my answer.
0: Well, let this interview be evidence to everybody who played the NCAA basketball and NCAA football video games growing up that scheduling yeah. is not <laughs> as easy as just picking like fcs east or fcs midwest (laughs) or whatever or oh hey i want a home and home with ohio state that's not how easy it is but uh matt papano director of basketball operations for the bonnies thanks so much for joining us here on sb unfurled and friends glad to have you man
1: no thanks guys i really enjoyed it um would love to do it again sometime thanks man we
0: got more basketball to talk about soon too yes you can join us for that
2: (laughs) send me those uniform templates i will i will We'll, uh, (laughs) we'll be in touch about that for
1: sure (laughs)
0: <laughs> All right. Thanks, Matt. All right, thanks, thanks, guys.
1: Appreciate it.